I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Hello, I'm Russell Hargreaves, welcoming you to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 9th of May 2016. On the show this week, Ray Parler stops by with a couple of stories from his brilliant new autobiography, and we speak to ladies boss Pedro Martinez-Losa about this weekend's FA Cup final showdown with Chelsea at Wembley. But we're kicking off with a weekend review. Arsenal travelled to the Etihad Stadium on Sunday afternoon to face Manchester City, knowing that a win would guarantee Champions League qualification for next season. Sergio Aguero struck early to put City ahead, but the Gunners responded just two minutes later. But Hart was scrambling back and wouldn't have got to it. Meanwhile, in comes the corner and in goes the ball into the net. And it's Olivier Giroud who rises highest inside the Manchester City penalty area to put Arsenal level here. Slack marking inside the box from a Manchester City point of view this time. And it's Giroud rising highest that just manages to nod the ball beyond Joe Hart. And it's 1-1. It was the Frenchman's first goal in the Premier League since January and enough to send the Gunners into the break on level terms. But the home side had an equally fast start to the second period and went ahead courtesy of Kevin De Bruyne. But Arsenal came back again, Giroud turning provider this time. Alexis driving forward. Still looking for Giroud, the layoff here for Alexis, can he finish? Yes, he can! How about that for a leveller? Manchester City 2, Arsenal 2, and it had been coming because the Gunners were beginning to put City under pressure, get the ball into dangerous areas and create chances. And after Walcott's introduction, he was certainly putting the City back line under pressure. But it's the breakthrough from Alexis after terrific hold-up play from Giroud played him in and the Chilean beating Joe Hart we're all square at two apiece that goal continued the Chilean's hot finish to the season and after the match Arsene Wenger was full of praise for the whole team's ability to bounce back when going a goal down I think uh, it was a very intense game where we had a difficult start because Man City uh, started uh, strong off the block and uh, came out very strong and uh, we suffered, but uh, every time we were down, we have shown character and came back uh, twice in the game. And uh, overall, I think uh, Man City has uh, 
put a lot of intensity in the game and we responded and, uh, a few times, of course, in trouble. But overall, uh, I believe we have uh, delivered a very strong performance. The boss also gave an update on Danny Welbeck's injury. Danny Welbeck has a knee problem. I hope it's not too bad. Uh, we need to wait for a scan. I'm, uh, I hope that uh, we have not bad news, that it's not a meniscus. There's a little sign of that. Uh, and Danny is a strong boy. He's not a guy who moves out quickly. We tried to keep him on the pitch and straight away when he tried to move on, he said, no, it's impossible. So at halftime, uh, I looked at him and uh, he was very down, so he must have pain. Let's hope we have good news tomorrow from, from his can. The draw, coupled with Tottenham's defeat to Southampton, means it'll be a shootout between the North London neighbours for second place going into the final game of the season. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Our Arsenal insider this week played 466 times for Arsenal, scoring 32 goals and winning 12 major honours. And I'm delighted to say it is the Romford Pele himself. It's Ray Parler. Ray, so pleased to have you on the show, mate. How are you getting on? Really well, thank you very much, mate. And uh, yeah, I should have scored a few more goals, really. That's not really good, is it? 466 games and 32 goals. So, uh, but yeah, some very important ones and enjoyed every minute when I played for Arsenal. And you know what? You set up a fair few as well. So that that's definitely <laughs> a thumbs up. Oh, yeah, the cards, probably. <laughs> now, of course, one of the reasons we've got you on is your autobiography, Romford Pele, It's Only Ray Parler, uh, came out Thursday, just gone, didn't it? Can you just tell us a little bit about the book? What made you want to write it? And, and obviously, I bet there's some great stories and some great insight in there. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, probably about timing, really. I mean, lots of people asked me to do a book when I finished my career. And I wasn't really up for doing it at, at that stage, but I think it was, uh, I was thought about it a little bit more. I read a few uh, autobiographies myself from, from ex-players and really enjoyed them. And I thought, look, I've got a, quite a good story and, uh, you know, good, good stuff winning trophies for Arsenal. And, uh, you know, I started there at a young age, at 12 years old, and I had a, had a wonderful experience playing for the club. So I thought it'd be great to... Uh, write a book, uh, and I think Amy Lawrence was a lot to do with it as well. She wrote it for me, who's done the Invincible book, uh, and she's such a nice nice girl that she said, oh, yeah, we can have a right laugh doing it, and, and we did. We had good fun when we, when, we, uh, when we was meeting up and writing it, and it was, it was really enjoyable to do, so I'm really pleased I've done it, uh, and I'm sure a lot of Arsenal fans out there will, will hopefully get it and uh, read a few funny stories, but also, look, we have to be serious as well, you know, we can't wait trophies being mucking about a lot, but I was probably one of the instigators for, to have a lot of fun as well. So uh, it was always a, a, a brilliant time I had at Arsenal and uh, really appreciated, uh, you know, 19 years probably. If I'm going to count back to 12 years old, I, I spent at the club. Obviously, there's a huge amount of, as you say, great stories in this book, Ray, and so much insight and so much background as well. Who would you say were a couple of the characters during those 19 years that, that gave you the most material, if you know what I mean, to write about? characters in the dressing room, which you have. I mean, no one's uh, always the same. You have players before a game will be very serious and very quiet. You'll have the vocal players. And then people might be having a bit of a laugh as well before kickoff. So I think everybody was there. Ian Wright was obviously in the early 90s. Tony Adams was my room partner for, for many years. And obviously the early 90s, it was much, much more socialising then. You know, when I got into the Arsenal squad, it was, you know, the players would say to me, you can come in a pub with me now. Thanks very much. 
Obviously, knowing you as I do from another job that we do together, you're like that now as well, may I say, which is brilliant as well, that, you know, very approachable and, and always there and, and getting on with people and, and being who you are in a very natural way, which has always impressed me as well. So uh, just thought I'd mention that while we were on there. Um, back now to some of the... Sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start crying in a minute. Um, back to the action. You, of course, were part of two different double-winning teams, weren't you? Which is a, an incredible accomplishment in itself, but at completely different times, very different squads, probably a slightly different, as you say, mentality of, of approach given that time as well. And, and those differences, despite double successes in both, must be fascinating. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, George Graham was very successful as well. I mean, probably one of the biggest games ever in football history when they beat Liverpool in 89. Uh, what an amazing uh, achievement that was. Liverpool were top side then. And, uh, and to go to Anfield last game and win 2-0, that was amazing. So George was very successful as well. I mean, he won that double uh, cup in 93, which I was involved in. But, uh, when, you know, Arsene Menger, when he first turned up, he no one really knew who he was and what sort of bring to the club. But David Dean was very much, you know, we trusted David Dean. He was a, he was a top man as well. And it was a situation where we had to go with it. But from day one, you knew he had a real focus. And, you know, 98 was a very special time for me. That was the first real season I felt, you know, I played more or less every single game in the league. We had such a great run. We had such a good team. We had obviously the famous back four, David Seaman in goal. And obviously Patrick Bierre turned up and Mark Overmars with Dennis Burkamp already. Uh, Nicholas and Elka come on the scene as well. So we had so many good players. Uh, but that was the year that we really, you know, thought we, we got it all together uh, and went on to win the double that year. Um, and we knew we had a real successful side if we could keep it together. I know the, the back four was getting a little bit older, but, you know, I think the methods that Arsene Wenger brought in as well, they kept them going as well for a few more years. So, you know, that 99 period, we should have won probably the uh, double again. Credit to Manchester United, they went on to win the treble that year. But we uh, obviously lost that to that famous Ryan Giggs goal. Uh, in the semi-final, and we lost to Leeds with two, three games to go, one nil, where we only probably needed a draw to, to win the league. So we come, we come close, so close that season, and obviously in 2002 we managed to do it again, a double, uh, which was a, a really strange season because we played the FA Cup first on a Saturday, and we went to Old Trafford on a Wednesday to to obviously win that game and, and win the double. So magnificent moments, and uh, very lucky to 
you know, if you're going to talk about winning games in certain arenas, to win a league at Wildside Lane was absolutely very special, 2004. But also to win a league at Manchester United was, and uh, that was that you'd always uh, remember that. And obviously, going back to '98, winning a league in front of your home fans, Ivory. So that was that was fantastic as well. Wow, amazing. All of that, of course, in the book. And Ray, just a couple of quick ones I wanted to finish you with. Obviously, it's only Ray Parler. The reason that the book is called that, partially, is inspired by that FA Cup final goal. I mean, to be scoring that, the folklore behind it, that is an iconic yeah. moment, isn't it, to put it mildly? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Tim, Tim Lovejoy, that was quite funny. I, I, obviously, you, didn't, I didn't know what he said until after the game. <laughs> and people started phoning me up or whatever. And to be fair to him, we had, a, we had players that they probably... Didn't want on the ball more than you know, with Omri, Burkham, uh, people like that who can score goals uh, on a regular basis like that. But, you know, I'm sure it's tongue and cheek. I think Bradley Walsh was doing the other commentator for the Arsenal side. And he's, I still see him sometimes for that. He says, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. You know, you, you want a goal, but the way he just he just shut, shut up straight away when you put it in the top corner, that was amazing. You know, it was all timing and everything. So, uh, but, you know, I, I, I saw, I remember seeing Tim Lovejoy after, um, and I because he was a good match with the Polso, and uh, he had his stag do. And I went I went along with a poster, because uh, we were doing posters for Bob Wilson as uh, charity. And I saw him under Tim, he's only Ray Parler, best wishes, and he, he, I think he's still got it now, I should imagine. So, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a bit of fun at the time, and uh, yeah, but that was, a, that was amazing at the moment. Look, I was very lucky to play five of the cup finals um, but you know my mum and dad made me watch every single one when I was a kid the build up to it getting on the coach and it was amazing absolutely brilliant so to play in one my first one in 93 was very special but obviously to score in one is an amazing uh, experience and uh, I'll never forget that one other thing I do want to mention, which we haven't really mentioned any detail so far, is that great European night when you were actually captain, weren't you? 5-1 yeah. away to Internazionale of Milan. That, that was just amazing. Well, that, what a side that was as well, the Italians. I mean, they went to Highbury. They beat us 3-0 at Highbury. Uh, and to be fair, we had some really big players at that, 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 second, that second game. We had uh, Burkett not playing. Um, we had Vieira out. Uh, that's why I was skipper. Um, up front was Carnu uh, and Thierry, who was unplayable that night. He was unbelievable. I mean, Robert Perez was on one side, Freddie Lundberg. I was in midfield with Edu. Uh, he was a very good player, Edu. He was very underrated. Um, and so, you know, no one really gives much of a chance going to the San Siro. But, you know, we, we went 1-0 up. They equalised. We're thinking, well, you know, it's going to be a tough night now. Can we hold on, really, for a draw? But suddenly we got the second and... We never looked back. We were superb. I mean, I've never seen a team control the game so much. I mean, from midfield, we, we kept possession well. And, you know, when we when we really went forward, we, two or three in numbers, we went forward and we managed to get the goals. So the, the amazing thing about that game was uh, no one really gave us a chance. But after the game, the Italian fans stayed behind and clapped us off. They, they were so impressed with how we played. And I think the Italians couldn't believe what they've just seen as well. That uh, you know that was probably one of my proudest moments as well to skip at the club, uh, such a big game like that, and and, and get a response. And I can't believe really that Patrick Vieira got the armband back after that. I mean, I'm surprised with Arsene Wenger not saying, "Look, you're, you're the best skipper we got now. You, you stay skipper." Uh, but yeah, Patrick was a great lad as well, and uh, we had a laugh about that after. Uh, but you know, that, that was a, 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 such a great night. And, the lucky fans who went to the San Siro, and I will always remember that European game. Uh, I know we've been in finals as well, but that, that was a special night because they was a good side and 
we absolutely blitzed them and uh, it was a fantastic to be involved in that team. And just as we let you go, Ray, obviously, as I mentioned, I, I get to work with you or certainly in the same building as you pretty regularly, which is great. But you play a bit of golf, obviously, involved with a lot of charity work. Just tell us a bit about what Ray Parler does these days. Yeah, I mean, I've gone up to a, I've gone up to a networking event today. So, again, you try, I, I do everything, really. I mean, you can say I enjoy... I just like to keep busy. I can't sit, sit still sometimes. I mean, I play a bit of golf now, which is great. I love my life now because, you know, being a footballer was fantastic. I loved every minute of it, but it's very regimental. You know, you're told what to do, you're told what to, where to go, and when to kick off, and when to eat, and, you know, everything's all, all mapped out for you. But when you finish football, some players kind of can't handle it, some players can, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing my own diary, I enjoyed doing other bits and pieces. Every day's different. Uh, if I want to go and play golf with all my cab driving mates, I can, sort of thing. So, that's probably why I didn't really go into the coaching role, which well, maybe I'll change my mind one day and go in and, and try and do my badges. But certainly every day is different. And, uh, you know, I enjoy every minute of it now. I love going over to Arsenal now, still watching the, the, the lads. I just hope they can get a bit of success. I know they won the FA Cup, but the league is the one they really want. And uh, hopefully next season, a couple more players, they might go a bit closer to the to try and challenge. But, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky with my life now. Every, every day is different. Uh, and uh, I enjoy every minute of it. Great. Wonderful to have you on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast, pal. And best luck with the book. I, I know it's going to sell well. Yeah, thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. And uh, hello to all the Arsenal fans out there. And uh, uh, great, great thanks for all your support over the years. I've really appreciated it. Top, man. Thank you ever so much for coming on and doing that, mate. That was brilliant. No problem, mate. My pleasure. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, look, It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 12th of May, 1979, Arsenal beat Manchester United 3-2 in the five-minute final to win the FA Cup. The Gunners raced into a two-goal lead at the interval thanks to goals from Brian Talbot and from Frank Stapleton. Sweet skills from Brady. Stapleton out on the right. Trying to feed Price. Price is in here for Arsenal. Torben and Ryan and Sunderland on the right as well. This is Brady. Good skills from Brady. Two waiting in the centre for the cross. Stapleton! 2-0 to Arsenal. Stapleton scores. Gordon McQueen pulled one back for United with four minutes remaining and they thought they'd completed the comeback two minutes later when Sammy McElroy levelled things up. Everybody was waiting upfield and uh, they still are for United. Popple. McElroy's through. McElroy's through. With the Red Devils still celebrating, there was still one more twist in this incredible final. There's a minute left on the clock. Brady for Arsenal. Right across. Sunderland! It's there! It's 3-2! Arsenal are back in front for Alan Sunderland. This was Arsenal's fifth FA Cup win and made up for the 1-0 defeat to Ipswich Town in the previous year's final. Here's Pat Rice, Brian Talbot and the late great Don Howe's memories of that day. What I truthfully thought, if this goes into extra time, 
they will beat us. Friends of mine was, were saying to me, they never seen our third goal because they had their head buried in their hands. They thought, we've, you know, we've blown it. From having the cup with both hands on it, really nearly, we had a, a hand taken off it, and then all of a sudden we had both hands back on it. So it, it changed within uh, five minutes, the game. I've got to say this, sometimes fate comes into it and sometimes luck does come into football. For all the skills and all the great players, we all need a little bit of luck at the right time. So that was a famous FA Cup final win for the Gunners and the ladies team will be hoping to add another on Saturday. That's when they play Chelsea and we'll talk to Pedro Martinez-Losa about that next. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Pedro Martinez-Losa will lead Arsenal ladies out at Wembley for the FA Cup final on Saturday in his second season as the team's manager. And I'm delighted to say that Pedro joins us now on the Arsenal Weekly podcast. Hello, my friend, and thank you very much for coming on. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you, how are you? Yeah, very good. And uh, I guess the big question, first of all, Wembley beckoning. It's very, very exciting, isn't it? Just tell me a little bit about your, your own mental kind of approach and, and how it feels to have this just around the corner. Well, obviously, um, uh, in Arsenal, for us, the most important thing is uh, to be in position to win trophies. Uh, since I came in 2014, we have been in position to, to win the Continental Cup final. But also, it was a dream for, for the group, for the team, for the players to play in Wembley in the FA Cup final. We couldn't make it possible last year, uh, but this year we are we are in the position to to make the, this dream this dream come through and, and to play the final against Chelsea in Wembley. We're going to be talking about the final in, in detail with Lindsay Hooper in just a couple of moments on the Arsenal Weekly podcast. But, Pedro, I'll ask you just briefly now, obviously taking on a team of Chelsea's quality, it's going to be a big challenge, isn't it? Well, for us, it's always a, a big challenge. I think we are, historically, we have been a, a big team. Uh, we have quality in our team, in our players, all players international. And the structure and the support that we have... To, from the club is unbelievable, so we are not we are not scared at all of any opponent, independent of his Chelsea or other. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. We'll be prepared. We will uh, make sure we can find their weaknesses and hopefully we can offer the victory to our fans. Now, as you just mentioned there, obviously Arsenal have got such wonderful pedigree in this tournament and as a ladies' side in general. And I guess over the last couple of years, it's been an exciting sort of project to a degree, hasn't it, to, to be putting the pieces back in place for hopefully a big, successful dynasty in, in the future. Yeah, obviously, as you know, um, change uh, takes time sometimes. Uh, we are in, in the situation where other clubs like Chelsea, for example, uh, cost them six years to to win one trophy. Uh, we are in, in the second year, let's say in the second year, and we already won the Continental Cup. Uh, but we want more, obviously. We want to do it better and we want to, to leave English football uh, uh, like we did in the past. And I think we, we have a fantastic opportunity to keep building our principles, our way to play and, and also to offer this one to the fans. And looking at the squad that you have been assembling over that time, with obviously some new additions coming in for this season as well, how do you feel you're going kind of in that process with the players that you do now have together? Well, for us, it has been a challenge to find the right players in terms of characters and also in terms of abilities that, uh, uh, to put the things together the way we want to play for the future. Uh, so this is a long-term vision, obviously, that we have. But we are really happy. I think the girls... Uh, has been creating a fantastic environment, working hard at every training session. We uh, still we, we think we have room room to improve, but being in the final can be a good motivation for us. And, and absolutely, we have all confidence in all the players in, in our squad. And for the fans as well, and we're hoping for a, a big crowd again, aren't we, for this game at such a wonderful venue as we've discussed already. It's going to be a great day for everybody involved, isn't it? Yeah, of course, uh, it will be very beautiful for our girls, for our players to see, to feel the fans. I think, uh, uh, believe it or not, so, uh, the fans can have a, a big influence in the game, uh, in the way that we can feel supported, that we can feel comfortable, that the players can feel that uh, we are the big club and, uh, in the game and our players will grow through that support. So uh, that will be a fantastic uh, support if that happens. And just on that note as well, as a showcase for the ladies' game in general, this cup final between Arsenal and Chelsea, it's a great example again, isn't it, of getting a game like this, teams like this, and, and the WSL and, and the women's game out there into that, that wider public as well, as hopefully the interest continues to grow as well. Yeah, obviously, there's no question about the, the, the growth of women's football, especially in England, with a good organisation, good league, very professional. Professionalism, the players... Uh, uh, implementing with good managers, good good structures in the clubs. I think we are in, a, in our case we feel we are doing the right things, and and uh, obviously with a little time um, the success will come, and, and we feel that this is only can be better in, in the support of of fans and and and, and TV and, and people following the women's game. Pedro, if we can just finish with a couple of questions back on, on your good self. For, for any of our listeners who perhaps aren't so familiar, just tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you then ended up getting this job. Um, well, I started coaching since I was 18. I studied four science bachelor degree in Spain in Polytechnic University. At the same time, I got my, my license. Um, uh, 
to coach in professional football. Um, I had the opportunity to start in, women, in the women's game in 2005 in a small club called Pozuelo in the first division in Spain. From that, I moved to Rayo Vallecano, which is the biggest team. We built a, we built a very uh, beautiful project, little by little, from a small team to keep growing and, and signing international players. Uh, uh, from that one, we won three La Ligas, Spanish La Ligas. We competed in Champions League against Rocha Yanka, I guess. Uh, Arsenal ladies, we won on that time also uh, Copa de la Reina, equivalent to the FA Cup here. And from that, I had the opportunity to go to America to work in one of the probably the best structures in terms of league and professionalism in women's football. I was working for Western New York Flash uh, for two seasons uh, when we won the regular league, then NWSL regular league. And, and, and after that, uh, there was an opportunity to come to Arsenal, uh, an interest, mutual interest. And I thought that was the best place for me, and, and, and the club decided that uh, I was the man to, to lead the project. And I know it's obviously a difficult question to ask here because you're on the Arsenal Weekly podcast, but would you say that this is, is perhaps the, the best or perhaps one of the most exciting challenges that you've had throughout that very impressive resume and, and list of things you've done? Well, I think that the, the best and most impressive challenge that you have is, is always the next one. Of course, yes, because what we didn't pass as a club or individually. It's nothing compared to what you have to do next. So now the challenge is here, the FA Cup final. The challenge for us is to, to try to win and to try to compete in our best level and to make our fans proud. And of course, yeah, this is what, something that we are looking forward well, Pedro, it's been brilliant to have you with us. And all I can say is from everybody associated here on the podcast, very best of luck at the weekend. And I hope you and the ladies uh, get the job done and, and get that FA Cup. Thank you very much. Thank you. Best of luck to Pedro and the team for Saturday then. We'll preview that huge cup final against the Blues in more detail next with Lindsay Hooper. So, Arsenal face Chelsea in the Women's FA Cup final at Wembley on Saturday and I'm delighted to say that Lindsay Hooper joins us now to preview the game. Lindsay, how are you, bud? I'm really well, really well. Looking forward to this match. It's a big yeah. occasion and um, a record figure last year, so hopefully people turn out again. Should be a very good game, as you say. Chelsea reigning Super League champions. And uh, to put it mildly, this is going to be a, a slightly tougher test than that 7-0 thumping of Sunderland in the semi for the Gunners, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be a much tougher test. Uh, you're facing one of the most potent attacks, probably the most potent attack in the WSL in Chelsea. Um, any loser has got space to burn and speed to burn and also um, Gemma Davison as well. Um, Frank Kirby though was, was really the standout from the last round. She scored the goal that put them through to this final and uh, I know that she's desperate to get on the field as well. So it's going to be a tough test for Arsenal but they do go into it with bags of confidence off, off the back of that 7-0 drumming of Sunderland but like you say it's going to be a very different prospect against Chelsea ladies. And it's a Chelsea team, Lindsay, that obviously Arsenal have played already in the league and lost to. Mm. Well, so has everybody. Um, there's only Manchester City, really, that are, that are going with them for the title at the moment. And Arsenal ladies are eight points adrift of Manchester City at the top. And the only reason they're just there is, is because um, Manchester City have actually kept clean sheets all the way through. But as far as goals are concerned and wins are concerned, Chelsea have been equal to them. And... It's going to be a tough one in the league, um, but of course, a cup final, anything can happen. And if you look back in history, of course, it's Arsenal ladies who've got the experience there. They've got 13 wins to their name. So they've got to draw on that, I guess. 
And you talk about City and Chelsea and the WSL, obviously the, the kind of elite at the moment. Before we, we look, go back to the game in a bit more detail, how, how far do you feel Arsenal, as they continue to re-evolve and rebuild, are behind, say, those two teams as perhaps the elite two? I think they're a season away. I think they've brought in some brilliant players this summer. I think um, I, I think there's quality in that squad, but it's not quite gelled for this season. And the thing is with WSL is you have to get off to a great start. And to be this far off the top two at the moment, I would say that Arsenal are, are perhaps playing for third place this season. Um, and they, they can still achieve that. But in order to get with the top two, it, it's going to take another season of gelling. It's a bit of a disjointed season as well, this one. Um, the schedules are all over the place. You've got sort of three games in a week and then a month off. And it, it's difficult for players to adjust, especially when you're bringing in foreign players. And Arsenal have brought a few of those in this season. So I think they're perhaps a season away. Um, they've got a, a, a new technical director as well and new vision at the club. And I, I can only believe that they're going to keep improving and, and be a contender against Man City and, and Chelsea going forward. But they're just a little way off. So back on to the field for the weekend then, Lindsay. Um, tell me about one or two of the key strengths and, and real areas of promise for Arsenal hopefully going into this game. Well, first of all, I would say one of the standout performers this season for Arsenal from the games that I've watched has been Jordan Nobbs. And I think she's going to be key to most things in terms of through the midfield. She links every part of play and it's her keeping cool. And it's the midfield that I think could be the deciding factor for Arsenal if it goes their way. You've got Farrah Williams as well, who's England's most capped player. And she's she's got such a cool head. We saw her at the uh, Women's World Cup last summer and she scored a penalty under extreme pressure. And if it does come down to a pressure situation, it will be her or Jordan that, that will be the deciding factor. Um, and I do think it is that midfield that they need to govern in order to beat this Chelsea ladies' side. Um, Chelsea ladies at the back, I think there are they have got their weaknesses in defence. So I think um, that's probably a shining light for them too because they've seen others score past them. I mean, just in the last WSL game, although they scored six, they did let in three. So I think they should take some encouragement from that. Um, but from Chelsea's point of view, it will be the attack. It will be Gemma Davison down the wing. It will be Enia Luko, uh, Josie Young, who was the player's player of the year for the last campaign. Um, and it's going to be those to watch. Frank Kirby, as I mentioned earlier, I think she's going to be desperate as well to get on the pitch. And it's a real competitive um, squad at the moment, even to get in the first team for Chelsea ladies when you're looking at the attack. So that's what they're going to have to look out for. And it could be a busy afternoon in the Arsenal goal as well. I, I think they're going to have to keep tight at the back, look to the experience as well of people like Casey Stoney. And as you say, Lindsay, as well, it is a cup game. It's effectively a one-off. Admittedly, there's been a yeah. lot of hard work from both teams to get to this point. But the inspirational surroundings as well, to have this game at Wembley is going to be brilliant. And, and who knows what potential edge that could give. Yeah, and what anyone wants to see, especially if we get over 30,000 again, is you want to see a good game of football. Um, and I think we'll see... I think we'll see both sides like we did last year. I think we might see a nervy first 15 minutes where everyone's just getting to grips with the occasion. They're at Wembley. They're taking all of that in, all of the atmosphere. And we did see that last year, and I think it will happen again because, of course, it is such a great occasion to be there. 
Um, but then, of course, the football takes over. And as the spectators, we want to see good football. Um, I'm just hoping there's more goals. Last year, it was decided with one goal, um, 1-0 to Chelsea. Um, and I, I think this time, it, it's going to be more. I, th- I can't see it being another 1-0 game. I think we might have a couple of goals, and that'd be great. A couple of goals, as you say. And, Lindsay, I'm going to ask you, please, to put your esteemed neck on the line as you finish here with us on the Arsenal Weekly podcast. How is this one going to play out? Oh. Who is going to be grabbing their own equivalent of old big ears? Well, I'm decided on the score. I think it's going to be 2-1. And I'm really undecided which way it's going to go because I think it's going to be that tight. Someone is going to nick a winner towards the end. Um, I just think because Chelsea have been scoring so much in the league, I might have to go Chelsea 2-1. But this isn't a great thing to say, is it, on an Arsenal podcast? You're done. You're cut. <laughs> Hooper, thank you very much indeed for your time, despite that prediction. And don't forget, the Women's FA Cup final kicks off at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Ticket information can be found at arsenal.com. So from the Women's FA Cup final, we now look ahead to the men's final game of the Barclays Premier League season as Arsenal prepare to take on Aston Villa this coming weekend. And I'm delighted to say that Adrian Clark, of course, who you can see on the breakdown every Monday on Arsenal.com, joins us now. Clarky, always a pleasure, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, the sun is shining. Um, Arsenal are doing OK. They've just got a good result, so, yeah, all is well. Good. And, of course, uh, on the podcast, we've been talking to a certain former teammate of yours today, uh, Ray Parler. Pleasure to have him on. Full of fun, full of stories, yeah. full of insight as well. <laughs> He's a good lad, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I've known him since he was probably... 13, which is just crazy, really. But, yeah, he's always been a great laugh. Very good player, really was. From a youth player, you knew that he was going to make it. He was just destined to go to go the whole way and he was well-suited to first-team life. But, yeah, he's had, a, he's had a wonderful career and now, of course, he's, he's on the other side, isn't he, doing a lot of media work and he does it really well. So, yeah, good on him. Absolutely. So, we look ahead then to this game against the Villains and, Adrian, needless to say, it's been a horrific season for Villa. I take no pride in saying that. It's my part of the world, not my club, but area I grew up in and uh, I know just what it means to that region, a team like Aston Villa, European champions, of course, back in the 80s and so much success, such a dynasty that... I hate to say it, it's just withered away. Well, really yeah, yeah, I mean, my brother is, uh, is a Villa fan, actually. He became a Villa fan uh, because his wife supports the club and he, he kind of changed allegiances. So I have been hammering him all season long. So I have not been taking any pity on him, I'm afraid. <laughs> it is sad to see a club of their size fall apart in the way that they have, but it's actually given me a little bit of personal pleasure because you've been able to, you know, tease him all season long. Oh, Jimmy, there was me giving it the, the sympathetic ear and <laughs> no looking need, at you. No Crikey. need, Russ. <laughs> um, so, as we shape up to the game then, Adrian, obviously Arsenal will go in as strong, strong favourites. It's at the Emirates Stadium. It's against a team already relegated and relegated weeks ago. Mm. Um, I wonder what Villa's response to all of that will be because they've got absolutely nothing to lose. No, the hand breaks off. They can just do what they like, can't they? Um, they've got a decent result against Newcastle in a, in a match that meant nothing to them. So they're capable. They made life difficult for Manchester United. They only won 1-0 at Old Trafford not so long ago. So they can, on their day, be awkward opponents, Aston Villa. But when you judge them over the course of the campaign, they've had so many faults that you can pick holes in every part of their eleven. But 
you don't know which Villa would turn up. There might be an element of carefreeness where, that makes them dangerous opponents. My hunch really is that this, this is the game that Arsenal won and that they will punish Aston Villa and, and win it handsomely. They really should. It's going to be fascinating to see, isn't it? And from Arsenal's point of view, obviously we're heading in, aren't we, with this fight against Spurs <laughs> to see who'll finish second <laughs> and uh, whether the Gunners can keep up their long run of, of being the top team in North London domestically. Yeah, I always celebrate St Totteringham's Day, so it would be disappointing if it wasn't to happen this season. We've certainly got Spurs worried, I think, ahead of that Newcastle match. We will beat Aston Villa. I, I am 99.9% .9 sure we'll beat Aston Villa. Um, if we don't, it'll be a huge, huge shock. So, yeah, there is a chance because Newcastle is, is, is a losable match for Spurs. And it would, I think, not it wouldn't save our season because our season was all about winning the title. But it would send us to the summer break feeling slightly better about ourselves. And, and, and that's no bad thing. Look, we haven't, I don't think, met expectations this season. But everybody has been singing Spurs' praises and there's every chance we'll finish just about level pegging with them. So it puts things into context. Well, a lot will depend on the Spurs side of things on Newcastle because, of course, mm. their relegation rival Sunderland have got the extra midweek mm. game in hand that I'm going to be commentating on, actually, funnily enough. But that will be interesting to see where they stand and what, therefore, they'll bring to that table, mm. which then reflects on Spurs and then reflects on Arsenal. <laughs> it's yeah, going to be quite exciting, well, look, it? Spurs yeah. are happy with their season. They've done all right. They've, they've improved. And that, yeah, it's done terrifically well. I, I'm full of praise for the way that they've played this season. But when all's said and done, they're not streets ahead of Arsenal. It's going to be just the odd point in it. We could be above them, they could be above us. There's really not a lot to choose this season. So, which speaks volumes because we are feeling really disappointed. So, looking at the game, just to finish in a bit more of a specific detail, mm. Adrian, as you mentioned, Villa have got a lot of weaknesses mm. throughout their starting 11, their squad this season. Just maybe highlight for me the worst couple that have really cost them and also what strengths we might see from them as well. <laughs> well, if you're talking about strengths, I mean, it's, it's easier to identify because there are so few. I would say that Rudy Gasted is powerful in the air, so you have to watch him. He, he's a player that you need to be careful of. And I do think that Jordan Ayew has at times had decent matches this season. He, he's got the ability to unlock a defence. So I'd look at those two guys and say, OK, you can't ignore them. You can't. The, the, they've got the potential to to score a goal against you. Weaknesses are really in terms of what they do without the ball this season. Aston Villa have been very passive and their communication, their spirit, their work rate, their positional play, their football decision-making has all been shocking, for want of a better word. And, and their, their main weakness has been at centre-half. Julian Lescott has had a nightmare. Um, all the partners alongside him have struggled too. I mean, you're thinking about Akure, Kieran Clark, um, Mika Richards. I think that they've all been four, five out of ten at best this season. So that is the area we can punish them. Get the ball in the box and they will give you chances because their marking's been poor. Take Ron Flaher out of that squad when he left and uh, look at that hole. Yeah, and the yeah. goalie hasn't, hasn't been brilliant either. No, and there were signs of that last season for me as well, which could have been dealt with and wasn't, but anyway. Um, key battle area for you yeah, for this one. Yeah, I think you have to look at goals. This, this is all about goals for Arsenal, isn't it? You want to win the game. I know a draw is good enough to guarantee third place, but you want to go out of a bang. You want to score goals and win this last one handsomely. So I'm looking at a rejuvenated Olivier Giroud up against probably Jolien Lesko. He's been playing, so there's no reason to suggest he won't play in this game. It's, it's two international footballers up against one another, two players 
that have really struggled actually in recent months. But Giroud comes into this game feeling pretty good about himself. So I'm expecting Olivier to get the better of him. Because if Arsenal whip crosses into the area, I think Giroud will escape the attentions of Lescott. That's, that's how I'm seeing it anyway. That's a good point. And actually, something you've just alluded to there, as well as Sunderland being potential kingmakers in that convoluted plan that we talked about before, obviously the Man United midweek game against mm. West Ham could have a bearing on whether Arsenal are fighting for second and third or third and fourth or what. Of course. they come in And as there well. could be pressure on it from an Arsenal perspective in terms of, you know, if, if Arsenal were to lose, they could drop out of the top four, which none of us want to think about. So, so that's the worst case scenario. I'm looking at this as a as a quite a kind final fixture of the season where the team can enjoy themselves, score plenty of goals and get what they want out of it. And in a sentence, how do you beat Aston Villa? <laughs> it's easy beating Aston Villa. You, you turn up and you bring 90% of what you're capable of and you will win this game. It's, it's as simple as that. Clarky as ever, thank you very much indeed, my friend. Appreciate your time here on the show. Yeah, no worries. Adrian Clark, and of course you can join Dan Roebuck alongside Stephen Hughes in the Matchday Show studio for all the build-up to the final game of this season this coming Sunday. Log on to arsenal.com or the Arsenal mobile app from 2.30pm UK time, all followed by uninterrupted commentary from three. That's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Pedro Martinez-Losa, Ray Parler, Lindsay Hooper and Adrian Clark for their contributions today. We're back this Friday, the 13th of May, with special coverage from the Arsenal Foundation Ball. We'll be talking to past and present players and a celebrity or two to boot. Make sure you don't miss that show or any others. You can subscribe to iTunes or follow Arsenal on our SoundCloud page to do so. So it's bye for now and come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.